Hi everyone and welcome to the Teach Balance Wellness Podcast where you'll learn how to strike better balance in all areas of your life from food to fitness to productivity and so much more so that you can achieve more happiness and more peace within yourself. I'm your host Alana Vandersloos, a wellness, health and life coach as well as a full-time English teacher living in New Jersey who is also each and every day working to strike balance in her own life. If you like this show and want to help us grow and help us reach even more women, please visit anchor.fm slash teach hyphen balance hyphen wellness slash support. If you haven't yet, please check out Teach Balance Wellness at Teach Balance Wellness on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can also email me at alanateachbalance at gmail.com or find me on Clubhouse. If you think you'd be a great guest on the show, please reach out. I'm looking to talk to all types of people about wellness, balance, and life. Today's guest is Christine Handy, a national and international model, a best-selling author of Walk Beside Me, a motivational speaker, a Fox Radio News uh, guest, a breast cancer expert, and a nationally recognized humanitarian. She's also on the board of eBeauty, a wig exchange program for women undergoing treatment who cannot afford a wig, and the president of the board of People of Purpose, a nonprofit organization working for prison rehabilitation. That is a lot. (laughs) Christine, thank you so much for being here. First of all, where are you joining us from? I'm joining you from Miami, Florida. How's the weather? Beautiful. (laughs) As always, I mean, we've been, I'm I'm up in Jersey and we've been just (laughs) getting pummeled here. I'm sorry. It's all right. So now, what, uh, you know, I said that you were a, a national and international model, um, and that's going to definitely play into what we talk about with regard to disordered eating. Um, what type of modeling did you do? So I was your basic catalog girl. Um, I started when I was 11, and uh, I was not a runway model. I was in probably every JCPenney, Dillard's, Macy's, uh, Neiman Marcus uh, ad. <laughs> You've probably seen me. I was a guest model after Claudia Schiffer, and I did a lot of catalogs and newspapers uh, when we had, you know, did newspapers back then, and and did a lot of billboards and you know, bathing suits and lingerie, and um, but you know, lingerie for JCPenney. So I was, you know, I was a working model, so to speak. Um, I also modeled in Europe. I lived in the Barcelona um, elite. I worked for Elite Worldwide, um, and I lived in the Barcelona building any elite and I worked from there. Wow. Wow. So you've had quite quite the career. Yeah. And I actually still, I just, um, about a year ago resigned with an agency, which is, you know, it's great for me because I do it part time and it's just jobs I want to take. And it's something that I have done for so long that it's very comforting to me in a way. Sure, sure. Um, now, in what ways did your fixation on your look, because you, you had told me previous in a previous conversation, you were very fixated on your looks. How did that affect your relationship with food and fitness? How did being in the modeling world affect that? Well, I mean, I was pretty consumed with, from a young age, from the age of 11, I was working model. And so we would get weighed in and we, if I didn't have the right hair color that was on my comp card, you know, when you're a model, your resume is called a comp card. And so if I, if my hair wasn't exactly like my comp card or if my, if I had gained a few pounds, they would say, well, we can't book you. You have to go fix the hair or fix the weight or, or what have you. 
And, you know, as a, especially back then, it was a really difficult time because, it, you know, first of all, I wanted to model. So nobody put me in that space. I put myself in that space. And, but when I was modeling, you know, I, I was learning, right, how to figure out how I was going to get jobs. And how I was going to get jobs was being exactly the same weight. My hair was, I had to be the exact same. And as, I was also living a very transactional world because, you know, I would say to my booker, well, if you book me for this, then, you know, maybe I'll ask this photographer for this. And, and it was that exchange, right, that kind of the lifestyle. And, and in the same way with photographers, I would say, he would say to me, if, you know, if you do a good job with this, then maybe I'll help you over here, but I need help over here. It was a very transactional world. And, and for so long I did it, I just thought the world lived like that. So, um, you know, it was set up, unfortunately, the industry is set up for you to have issues with food. And I was not a stick figure. I, I mean, I, I looked like a stick figure, but I wasn't born that way. And so I struggled to stay a stick figure, especially back then in the 80s and the 90s when I was really my main beef of modeling, so to speak. We that the, the ideal weight back then was stick figures. And now it's different, right? It's the big booties and the big chest and, and the modeling has changed. Um, but back then I had we had to be stick figures and I wasn't born that way. Yeah, that, that was the age of Twiggy. Twiggy really kind of started that off. Right. Well, she was really in the 70s and... We, but that was still kind of the ideal back then. Yeah, for sure. Now you said you're, you're taking modeling jobs now, which is amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're gorgeous. So I could, I could totally right. see why. Um, how is it different now for you? How, you know, you had a, a, a more negative view of body image and nutrition and health back then. What has changed between then and now modeling and your relationship well, with food? I was, I was fine. I mean, ultimately I was, uh, hospitalized for anorexia and, um, that was when I was 21 years old and I, and I grew a lot during that time when I was in the hospital for the 30 days and after, and I, it was about 28 when I was pregnant with my second son that I started to kind of dabble back into that. Um, I was, it was just under a lot of stress and, and for me, the eating, I, I could control it. Right. And so when I was felt out of control, that's one thing I could control. And so, you know, I, I, if people, people that really know me would probably say, I've never been cured of that for my whole life. I'm 50 years old. Um, but it's different now. And, and, and the reason is, is because I've had breast cancer. I've had 28 rounds of chemotherapy. I have a fused arm. I have scars all over the place. And I have no breasts. I have nothing. My, ch my chest is concave. And so my ideal beauty looks different. And it was almost because, you know, when I was young and I was modeling, you couldn't have a scar. I mean, forget the fact that your hair had to be perfectly the same color and you had to be the same weight. You couldn't have a scar. You couldn't have a chipped nail. I have scars everywhere. And so, but the world changed too, right? Right now, the beauty of the world looks different than back then. Right now, modeling agencies and clients, they're celebrating people's differences. So coming in with scars, they're like, I'll sign you up right now. And it's almost like if I was, if I had the perfect body and not in those scars, maybe they wouldn't even hire me right now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It, it really has changed. So, so would you, what would you say your ideal version of beauty is now? 
I care about what's inside, okay. not what's out. And and what what would you say the three quality best qualities for inner beauty would be? Serving. Serving is the best. Okay. Um, and you know, I I don't think there's really anything after that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I think love and and empathy, compassion, empathy and compassion. I think the world that we live in is has so little patience for empathy and compassion. And I think the world would be such a different place if we were able to actually listen to each other. We don't have time for that. I do. They don't. But I also, but my, but my, my self-worth isn't dependent on society anymore. My self-worth isn't attached to outside validation. My, my validation comes from within and from my faith in God. That's it. I don't need somebody to give me a gold star or a ribbon or an accolade. I, I need me to give myself that. And if I feel good about myself, that's all I care about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I so can understand that need for control because I just had my son seven months ago and I feel so out of control and I feel myself wanting to control something and I have to actively, consciously fight back on that. It's so You true. know what's interesting? When you were saying that, most of the world, I believe, would have said to you, oh, you look great. Oh, you look great. Because of you, because of what you just said. And instead, because they're, they're perpetuating the fact that you're struggling with your external, right? They're not saying to you, how do you feel? And, and that's the, that's the breakdown. And so that's why I, I'm, I'm assuming that's why you kind of sometimes get tripped up because people, you could say that to somebody that go, Oh, you look great. Oh, you look great. But that's not what you're asking. Yeah, absolutely. Now you said that you were hospitalized at 21. When did the cancer diagnosis come? What, what part of your anorexia re recovery were you in? I was 41 when I was diagnosed with cancer. Okay. So it came a lot after. Um, yeah. No, I had no family history. I, I was, I, I'm allergic to sugar now. I was allergic to sugar when I had a colon resection when I was 35 years old. And so, you know, people say that cancer feeds on sugar. I wasn't eating it. So there's, who knows why I got it? Maybe stress. They don't really know. But yeah, it was many, many years later. And, and when I was sick, like really sick with chemotherapy, I had no hair, I had no eyebrows, I had, I mean, it was 90 pounds. They almost put a feeding tube in me. And it was then where I said, oh, come on, like you really valued your hair that much. You really valued your beauty so much that it completely wrecked me when I lost it. I mean, I had no feet on the ground. I was so out of control. And my first thought was like fight or flight. I got to leave this earth. If I'm going to, if I'm going to lose everything that I felt like my identity was wrapped up in, right. All this external, then I'm just going to take myself out of the equation. I'm not going to fight for my life. And it wasn't until women, my friends stood by me and said, Oh no, we are going to fight for you until you can fight for yourself. And it was that showing up. And that was that dedication that finally shifted my perspective. And I said, oh, they're showing up for inside me, who is inside, not the outside. They didn't care about the beauty. They didn't care about the hair. They didn't care about the modeling career. They cared about who I was. And so they taught me that, you know, showing up for people, it can save your life. 
And they also said to me, well, when you're done with this process of chemotherapy and all this, all these surgeries that you have to have, which ultimately was 21 non-elective surgeries, um, it's your, it's going to be your responsibility to go out to the world and show, and show them how it's done. And I took that very seriously. And so when I was healthy, um, so to speak, so I still struggle with, um, a lot of health issues from so much chemotherapy. I lost three teeth. I have heart issues from the chemotherapy. I literally had my breast cavity removed this summer from an infection in my, in my implant. And so, you know, it's almost like this collateral effect after one illness, there's been several others because it's all interrelated. And so when I say healthy, I'm healthy enough. I don't have cancer. Um, but they said to me, you know, season after season after season, regardless if it's good or bad, we're going to stand by you. And so I, I wrote the book and I wrote the story and said, you know what? The, the media and the movies and the TV shows that are all out on uh, out in front of us and the podcasts about women tearing each other apart, that exists in our world, but let me show you something different. And so that's what I model for other people. And it's been like crazy contagious and it's helping other people. Why do you think that is the stereotype, women cutting other women down? I think people, I think that it's, it's an immaturity. It's a self-esteem issue. I think when women feel bad about, well, men and women, when they feel bad about themselves, they, they put that on other people, right? I'm going to tear, I'm going to tear you down because I feel bad about myself. And that's the other thing I try to teach women. You have to work on your self-esteem every day. It's almost like going to school. You know, you go to school to learn, you go to, you go work out to exercise and to keep your body healthy. You have to work on your self-esteem. It's a daily practice, especially for me, because the world like looks at me and goes, I'll, I'll give you an example. There was one right after my, let me go back. When I was, when I was had breast cancer, I thought the prize was getting the implants. Like, okay, well you can take all of my breast tissue out and, and you can gut me, right? And my hair can go, you know, be lost and all these things. But you're going to put in these really beautiful breasts. And I didn't go bigger. I just went small. But you're going to put in these really beautiful breasts. That's great. I'm, I'm going to take that prize because this sucks. Like cancer sucks and I want that prize, right? Well, it turns out that wasn't the prize. But it took me going through this, right? This infection and they gutted me again. And, and going through this where I was like, huh. This really wasn't the prize. The prize was my life. The prize was the gifting that I'm giving other people and teaching other people. But even, you know, even going through that with, you know, having the implants and then thinking that was kind of an ideal to having that taken away, another false idol taken away was really difficult. And so I thought, well, I've learned all these lessons and I, I'm sharing this with other people and I've written the book and then I still had to learn that lesson. So... I keep learning and I keep trying to help other people with my pain, you know, there's always purpose in pain, but we have to share it and be vulnerable with our stories in order for people to learn. Right, right. As I, I love the Robin Roberts quote, make your mess your message. Exactly. I've never heard that quote. That's a great one. I like that one a lot. Yeah. But you're doing that as well. I, I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, I, I had an eating disorder as well. It wasn't, it wasn't anorexia. It was, you know, one of something more generalized, but you know, it, it, there's a lot of inner work to be done. W why do you have that? Like what, what caused that? Is it a control issue? Is it perfectionism? Is it some sort of trauma or culturally based? But I think it can be all of that. It can, it can. Um, 
What I found really interesting, I was uh, reading about Walk Beside Me, your book, and it's a fictional depiction of your illness and your journey through recovery. Why fictional? Why didn't Why didn't you make it a memoir of sorts? That's a good question. Now, if I had made it a memoir, I probably would have sold a lot more books. Don't get me wrong. I've sold a ton of books. It's a national bestseller. Um, but nonfiction are uh, more popular. And I thought that it was better for me to protect certain people in my life and make it a fiction. And whether I didn't sell as many books, it was more important to me to protect those relationships. Now, my book is incredibly vulnerable. And I share stuff that most people wouldn't share. And that has cost me some relationships, but I felt like if I just put the fluff, like look at all the friends show up and look at all the dinners they brought and look at all the, the post-it notes they put around my house with scriptures on it and look what they taught me that people would go, okay, well, you had great friends, but what was going on other than that? Like, why did you have so many friends show up? What was missing? Right. And I put the missing part in there. Um, and, and, and I think that that's why the book is so popular. But in doing that, I also had to protect certain people. Sure, sure. Now, I saw that there is a Willow the film. What is the status of the movie? So Willow the feature film is uh, actually three different people approached me about making my book into a film. And the first one was for a TV series. And, and I talked to this entertainment lawyer for a long time. And we went through a lot of meetings about it. And it was great. And then that kind of fizzled out. Then another group came to me and it fizzled out. And then the guy um, that wrote the movie Ghost, are you familiar with that movie? Yeah. He wrote the screenplay for my book. And it's really cool. Wow, that is fantastic. (laughs) And the script is really beautiful because it's, you know, there's a lot of film, not a lot, there are films that are taken from books, right? But a lot of the time, the books are different than the film. And some are very similar and some are very different. This is very similar to my story, This the film. And so we were supposed to start production. Well, we've done pre-production. We're supposed to start production and filming last summer. And because of COVID, it got paused to March, which is now. And now it's paused again. So it's, you know, I, I have hope it will keep going. <laughs> But it's COVID has really just disrupted my life in many ways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Like All everybody. of us. Yep. So, what are three words that you would use to describe your former self, and then three words to describe your current self? Um, my former self was self-involved, honest, loving, and my current self is selfless, uh, empathetic and loving and which of those would you say is your favorite thing about you um i love to love but i think my best quality is empathy we can all use a little more of that i think you know showing compassion to people can can change lives literally yeah yeah for sure so what is some advice that you would give someone who is perhaps putting too much dependence on the physical shell? You know, that's tough because I, it wasn't until I, it was taken away from me that I figured it out. And I'm trying to teach people that, you know, your value and your self 
love and all those things are more important than your external, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, so that they don't have to go through, right? Like the selfishness that I was addicted to. I was addicted to what I looked like and what I carried, like what my bag and the, the car I drove and the house I lived in. And, and I painted this perfect picture for the world to see because I thought, I thought the world validating me was, would fill me up, but it never filled me up. I was, I was happy, but I never felt joy. And so my version of myself, like all these flaws and all these false idols later and all these scars and all these illnesses later is I know who I am now inside. And if I think if I were to say to a young person or to anybody, even my age, because I think it's uh, a lot of people struggle with this regardless of ages, you have to figure out repeatedly who you are inside. And it's a process, um, but it's worth the time and effort because all of the other things that we idolize, which is external, those are so fleeting and there's no dependency. You can't have dependency on that. It will just, it's like, it's like building on quicksand. That's a good way to put it. Um, so what is one thing you would tell someone who is in a situation, maybe not exactly like yours with breast cancer, but someone who is in a challenging time in their lives to help them persevere and overcome that challenge? What would you say to them? So I like to use this acronym called MORE. Um, I made it up. It helps me. Um, M stands for movement. You know, just get out and move because move is a breast cancer preventer. It's exercises a cardiovascular. It's healthy for you. And it's a good way to get out of your mind, right? Um, and the O stands for offering to help. You know, the, the when I start to serve, I really felt joy in my life. And so... That, that's shifted my perspective completely. Um, and the R is for refocus. And when I start to go into anxiety and panic attacks and things that I think are all relatable, um, I, I, you know, some days I worry that I'm going to get cancer back. I, and what I do is I refocus on other things, other memories, like I change the, the tape in my head. And then E is for empathy. I think if you set out to understand people's differences versus judging them, your life will change. And so the, I use that acronym for myself and I try to teach people that more. I love that. All right. We, I, I can't believe the half an hour is almost over. Um, we're going to just end with a little word association. So I'm going to say one word and you're going to tell me the first word, one word I that comes it. to mind. Okay. I love this. I love <laughs> I did this recently on a different interview. It was really fun. It's, it's just so, so interesting and so insightful people's answers. Um, okay. So first word, Balance. Yoga. Wellness. Life. Happiness. Serving. Perfect. Doesn't exist. And health. Striving. I love it. Christine, this was amazing. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk. Um, tell us where we can find you. So my website is christinehandy.com. Um, on Instagram, I'm christinehandy1. And on Facebook, I'm Walk Beside Me and Christine Handy. Um, I, I really am Christine Handy kind of everywhere on Twitter, on BuzzFeed and Clubhouse and all these apps that we <laughs> that are kind of taking over. Like the, the work that I do, we have to be so part of that. And it's, it's a struggle. But For that's sure. where, And my book is sold basically everywhere. Right. And that's Walk Beside yeah. Me. 
walk beside me. Yeah. And I'm going to put all, all those links in the show notes so people can find you and follow you and see what you're all about because you, you are the type of woman we need more of serving empathetic, you know, positive, strong. We, we need it. We need it. Yeah. One thing I'm for sure is strong. Yeah. Yeah. My, for sure. I really, all, all I care about is serving other people and helping women. That's it. That's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you.